Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Mr. Money in the Bank, Matt Story. That's right. The monster in the bank. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, yeah. So there was a surprising um, to us, although apparently not to all of the real beat writers and reporters, <laughs> uh, Bobby Hurley press conference today to address the offseason. And we'll get into that. But the big news of the week in sports uh, in the pre-NBA draft world appears to be the undoing of the Spurs uh, machine or the potential undoing of the Spurs machine. Matt, you are a Spurs fan. Yeah. What's going on with Kawhi? I mean, uh, nobody seems to know exactly. Um, you know, I think we talked about this, you know, during the season. And, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of stories out there. But he's, you know, like I said then, he's not really one who seems to do a lot of talking for himself. And so a lot of people have had to fill in the the, you know, the gaps of the story and, you know, the story that has emerged at least obviously is, is, uh, there's been a deterioration of the trust between him and the Spurs related to the handling of his injury from, you know, last year, you know, that, that, you know, kind of began during the 2016, 17 season. And then obviously affected his entire season this year. He missed, you know, the first two plus months came back, played, off and on for nine games, not nine straight games, um, and then was out for the rest of the year in the playoffs and, you know, became almost a ghost. Um, and now, of course, the report is he wants out, which I don't think surprises anybody. I mean, that's that's kind of, you could see that in the water, uh, you know, over the course of the year as things develop. Who knows? Um, you know, I, I uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into him. Um, but for me, like, you know, if it is the, you know, the end of the Spurs run, eh, a pretty good run. I got nothing to complain about. And, you know, no one no one stays on top or near the top forever. I'm at peace with it if that's the way it's going to go down. There are a lot of moving parts to this. Um, you know, some have speculated that it was a falling out with Pop, although he right. went to the private um, memorial service for right. Pop's wife and talked to people there. Some have thought that it stems in some way from Tony Parker's comments about mm-hmm. his injury. Uh, but like you said, it's a lot of people guessing what bothered him. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, the the story that came out and got a lot of traction today seemed to be that sources close to him are saying that he was intentionally trying to duck a meeting because he didn't want right. to talk about what was going on. Right, right. And um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to – it just carries on the whole thing of – but he met with Pop, so right. – you know. Right. Yeah, it's it's hard to figure out. I mean, I, I watched um, Dan Levitard's TV show this evening, and Israel Gutierrez was the you know the co-host today, and he's a good you know NBA reporter, does a lot of you know sideline work through the season, and so you know trust that he's you know seems like a reasoned reporter, and he kind of made the point, which is one I'd not heard before. His theory was, you know, Kawhi Leonard never really had the desire to be the next Tim Duncan and spend his entire career in San Antonio. And and that, you know, what's happened with the fallout from his injury almost, you know, 
just kind of fit the narrative that he wanted it to fit. It gave him reason to break the bond that he wanted to break anyway. I never heard that before. Don't know if it's true or not. Like I said, the, the, the source of it, the reporter who's telling me, is not one that you know I think has a reputation for making things up or, or being outlandish or saying crazy things. So I, I found that interesting, and maybe that's true. You know, maybe, you know, when you had a guy like Tim Duncan, I think he was very content to be a big star that could have his anonymity off the court. San Antonio allows you to do that. And a lot of guys aren't interested in that. When you're 25, 26, and you're rich and famous, you want more riches and more fame. Tim Duncan didn't seem interested in that, and maybe Kawhi Leonard is. I also think that, you know, we as fans have gotten to the point of just taking for granted, well, the Spurs are going to keep the guys who they want to keep and those guys will want to stay. And it's the Spurs who make the call to jettison a player. Um, And maybe that's changing now with him at least. Well, but it's, it's one of those things where no other team do we think that, you know, it's the incentives are there (laughs) for guys to stay, especially the superstars, you know, yeah, the Bucks are, yeah. are banking on that for Giannis, that they'll right. be able to pay him more so he'll want to stay. But, sure. you know, they're... But in a lot of cases, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Obviously, you know, LeBron left Cleveland. He came back, but, you know, left for a, a bigger pond. Uh, Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City. Um, you know, we, we see it a lot. Um, the biggest stars in the game, we go back a, a few years, Shaq left Orlando. Um, you know, I mean, guys tend to gravitate towards certain places, and we've seen a little less pull of that. The Lakers have really struggled to, you know, attract big-time free agents the last few years. Maybe that's about to change. Um, but, you know, San Antonio is not the place to be a crossover star, if that's what you want. And I think, you know, I think we looked at Kawhi Leonard, and we saw this quiet guy, and we thought, oh, he is the, you know, I, I did it. I think a lot of us did, you know, like he's the perfect replacement for Duncan and Parker Ginobili. He's not interested in the in the fame and the fortune. Maybe we were wrong. Uh, you know, maybe he's a quiet guy, but he still wants to be a, a bigger star than what you're going to be in San Antonio. I, I don't know. Maybe that's the case. Yeah, it, it certainly seems like that's a distinct possibility. You know, I, I don't... Um, I'm trying, honestly, to be very, you know, mature about it. I think fans tend to forget what happened in the past and they just react angrily. Am I unhappy about the way it's going and the way it's probably going to end? Sure. But am I going to, you know, burn my, you know, Kawhi Leonard Sports Illustrated from when they won the title and erase him from my memory? Absolutely not. They don't win the championship in 2014 without him. They don't get to the finals in 2013 without him. They don't contend for a couple other titles that they had chances at the last few years. So if, if you know, if the relationship isn't going to last 15, 20 years like it did for Tim Duncan and Ginobili and Parker, David Robinson before that, you know, that's a shame. But you just move on and, you know, that's that's life in professional sports sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's hard as a fan to, to realize, like – these guys, they don't really love the team necessarily the way you do. You, no, you know, a lot they, of them do not. They yeah, are professional. They, you know, yeah. in a lot yeah. of ways, they are mercenaries. You right. Know? It's a business, and and you know the the event tomorrow night, you know, 
brings that to light. Like these guys don't get to choose where they start their careers. They get drafted. And we kind of just, you know, it is, I mean, we love it in sports. I love the NFL draft, the NBA draft. But you think about how that relates to really any other line of work. Like imagine if you, when you got out of law school, if you just had to go into a pool and some city drafted you. No, you got to, you got to choose where you wanted to live and where you wanted to work. I got to choose. You know, that's not how it is. Now they get paid handsomely. I'm certainly not crying for them. But it is different. And, and we, we choose these teams as fans. They don't choose these teams as players. They get put on a team. Kawhi Leonard did not choose to play for the Spurs. He got, you know, he got drafted by Indiana and traded there immediately. Now he signed, he resigned there, and he can choose to stay there or leave or whatever. But you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, these these guys are not uh, they're not fans. They're you know, it's their job. They're there to you know make a living and and uh, you know be the biggest star they can be and make the most money they can. And I get it. You know, I I don't pretend that Kawhi Leonard has somehow stabbed me in the back. He hasn't. I'm, I'm disappointed, but that's life. You know, if you're going to follow professional sports, you just got to accept it and move on. Yeah. I mean, the other part of this, right, is for some of these guys, whether they be Shaquille O'Neal or Miles Simon, for some of these guys, yeah. there's a second career and there's a way to sure. parlay what you did into something sure. else. But it is a short lifespan. To it be is. It a is. Professional yeah. It, and you know, reasonably, we we look at a guy like Tim Duncan who played till he was forty, and we say, "Oh, he's old." Well, not not in the grand scheme of things. I mean, a forty-year-old is not an old man, but in sports, it is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you you know, and if you play till you're forty, you're lucky. I mean, not many guys get that opportunity. Only the best of the best really get to play that long. You know, most most play. You know, NFL is even less. You know, NBA, I bet the average career length is probably about five, seven years, something like that. You know, you're in and you're out. You make your money and, and then they move on to someone else. And that's why you think, like, just, you know, he he's mad. He didn't take the the Nike $20 million deal. And, yeah, you know, go, go get that money. If you yeah, think you can I mean, get I, it, you know. You know, I mean, again, I, I don't like the way it's been handled. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be like, you know, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, is it disappointing to me as a Spurs fan who, you know, I guess, I guess we got teased with the notion, you know, last year, two, two seasons ago. Now, you know, Duncan had retired and they still won, you know, 55 plus games and they got to the conference finals and and they had signed Lamarcus Aldridge and Leonard was an MVP candidate. And you thought, boy. You know, this train ain't going to slow down even when Duncan retires. And so you get you get teased with that. In reality, you had to expect the train was going to slow down. And, and um, you know, that's just, uh, that, again, that is life as a professional sports fan. To get a 20-year, and really, if you go back to David Robinson, more than that, window of contending for titles, that's pretty darn good. Not a lot of franchises get that fortunate. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they, you know, Robinson, they never won a title before Duncan got there, but they got to a couple conference finals. Robinson was an MVP. I mean, they were, they were a really good team, except for the one year where Robinson was hurt, which allowed them to win the lottery and get Duncan. So they had about a 25, 30 year window till now where they have contended for championships year in and year out. Won five of them. That ain't bad. And, and so I'm not going to hang my head and be upset that it might be ending now. Because that's, again, that's how it goes. It usually ends. And most, most franchises, it ends after a few years. 
Now, you mentioned prolonged success. And the other topic that we were going to address was ASU basketball. And Hurley came out today as part of his press conference and said that he always sort of figured year four would be the big leap. I saw that, yeah. But that they're now not going to be able to sneak up on anyone because of how they got here. And I think both of those are true. I I don't think and I hope no one is surprised to hear a coach say, well, once I have all of my guys, the first year where it's all my players, I expect will be better. Sure. Um, Sure. I mean, yeah, makes sense to me. Um, you know, I'll take him saying that given that we were pretty good in year three. That's a whole lot different from Tracy Smith saying, I expected year three to be rough. Like, well, wait a minute. First of all, you didn't say that until year three was rough. Secondly, like, that's not okay. Like, yeah, I want a coach to say by year three and four when I got my guys, things are going to be rolling. That's that's the belief I want. And then I also saw which fits the um, – how to put this? The, the way college basketball recruiting works, that uh, the projection that Haller said the, the guy we're going to hire as the mm-hmm. final assistant coach is the guy who was the reason why Euros big right. seven-foot foreign guy was going to go to Cleveland State. And right, he right. decommitted when that guy left the program. And yeah. lo and behold, he's – now going to be our assistant coach. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it happens. But, you know, everyone pretty much, I think, you know, knows the story. I know you and I do. We, we probably don't have James Harden without Scott Perra. I know the story was told that, you know, that wasn't a sure thing. Uh, yeah, maybe it wasn't a sure thing. But, you know, <laughs> well, without hiring his high school coach, we probably don't get James Harden. Well, let's put it another way. If we don't have Perra, we don't get Harden. With Perra, yeah. it wasn't a sure thing. But, right, it, you know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think, you know, it was, uh, maybe it wasn't a package deal. Maybe it was, you know, if you're a cynic, you think it was a sure thing. They hired him because that meant you were going to get your guy. And you know what? That's, yeah, again, much like I just said about that's life in pro sports, that's life in college sports. Um, you know, happens all the time. It isn't going to stop. I mean, you know, as long as, as long as the players can't be directly paid, you're going to find a way to give, you know, a favor to a player that's legal but maybe shady ethically in order to get that player. And that's exactly what happens at every program across the country. The rest of the interview I thought was interesting. Um, he had good things to say about Zylan Cheatham. Yeah. And the statement that I'm sure you liked, although I, I won't presume to know what your favorite was, uh, I imagine high up there was the a lot of interchangeable parts. We're going to be big and rebound. Um, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, and I, I also noticed that he said in some ways what we talked about last week, which is, you know, we're not going to be a three-point shooting team as much. Not that we're not going to shoot it at all. I mean, you know, certainly you're not going to get rid of it and say, you know, we're going to take one three a game. But we're not going to rely on it. We're going to be more well-rounded. I you know, we discussed that last week, and I, I like that idea. I think three-point shooting could be seductive, but it can also abandon you, and it certainly abandoned us at, you know, February and March last year at the worst time. The thing that I feel like ASU needs next year, and I'm not sure who it is, quite honestly, but they need someone who's a slasher, perimeter player, however you want to say it, 
who can get to the basket and or get fouled. And, you know, just have that be the, you know, the, the thing if we're struggling. Because yeah. Well, and there's, there's some options there. I mean, there's some guys that, you know, A, we haven't seen at all play like Tayshawn Cherry and, and uh, Rob Edwards and Cheatham, you know, guys like that, Cheatham. And then there's a guy like Kamani Lawrence, who we've only seen in little bits, but not, you know, fully engaged and healthy. I think any of those guys hopefully can fill that that bill for you. You know, I mean, we don't know for sure, but, you know, I think they have the, hopefully the skill set to do that. It's college, not the pros. So shooting mechanics and things of that nature get worked on, but, but they don't get picked apart. Right. I bring that up to say this. During last season, I know he had a monster game against Kansas and, and played great, <clears throat> but Remy Martin's shot is funky looking. Ugly. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah. And it's a little disconcerting. I mean, I'm I'm glad Hurley trusts him. I I agree and expect that we'll see more of him, even if he stays yeah. in the six man role. I think yeah. you'll see a lot more games like Kansas where he's nominally the six man, but he's playing Right. Significant minutes. Um, but he he needs to find a, a either he needs to be a really good free throw shooter to make this okay. Yeah. Or he needs to be consistent, even if it's consistently ugly. In the words oh, sure, of Dave Cosgrove, sure. I mean, consistently wrong is better than inconsistent. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, there's a lot of great shooters who don't have great form. Um, you know, guys find a way to, to get the ball in the basket and who cares? You know, I don't, it doesn't need to look pretty. What looks pretty is when the ball goes through the net. I don't care how it comes out of your hand as long as it goes through the net. Um, you know, and he, he was okay, but yeah, I mean, he was, uh, not a great outside shooter over the course of the season. Um, and then that is something I really do hope to see improvement from because you're right. It's, it's not the pros. The advantage of that though, is you have a lot more practice time. You know, you have longer off season. You you know, I mean, if you're working on your own, um, you know, you can make adjustments. And and I really am. I'm expecting a a big leap from him, along with Romello White and Kamani Lawrence. Those are kind of the three guys that you know they were all in their first year playing for us. You know, White was his second year on campus, um, and they all showed some promise to varying degrees. I'm expecting leaps forward in year two. Well. Hurley called out Romello White um, and said, I I expect he will be better at the line. I expect he will be better overall. And I like that. One of the reasons I like that is you push the guys who you can push. And after having him in the program for two years, clearly Hurley feels like I can push this guy. He was good. He was my starting big man. And I think he can be better. Yeah, I think so too. And he had, you know, he was a guy who got off to a pretty strong start, looked really, you know, very good in the non-conference slate, and then tapered, as most guys do in their first year. You know, I mean, it, there's there's exceptions, obviously, you know, superstar freshmen and guys, you know, I'm not saying every freshman, but a lot of guys do. And, and he did, you know, the, the opponents caught up to him a little bit. Apparently, I, I read, you know, Hurley mentioned he had some injuries as well. That's another thing you get. Um, certainly, he did not. He struggled with officiating and getting in foul trouble. Um, 
so you know there there were freshman bumps and again you expect those to to be smoothed out by year two and then i'm not saying he's going to be you know the national player of the year but you do expect a jump forward and if we get those jumps forward from those three guys and we get the impact from the new guys that we expect the transfers and the freshmen you know it has the makings of what should be a pretty darn good team but there's a little more unknown about this group i mean last year we knew those three guards we knew what they were and what they weren't this group has it has a bit more unknown for good and for bad, probably. Yeah. I, I mean, um, imagine how this team will look if you've got a, you know, a white lake leap, plus right. adding a, a healthy Lawrence Cheatham, Cherry, and Mitchell yeah. as your big rotation. That's a fair amount of size that we certainly could not come close to having last year or for really several years. I mean, even, you know, we discussed last last week, you know, what was the best team that we had, and we both agreed pretty easily it was the 09 team. That team didn't have that amount of size. I mean, that team was Jeff Pendergraf, Eric Botang off the bench, who didn't really play a whole lot that year. And you know, guards. Except, and guards, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of times a four-guard lineup. You know, we'd play... Glasser, McMillan, Harden, and Abbott, or, you know, Ship would get in there, you know, or Kusick's. I mean, Kusick's was a forward, but really played like a guard. I mean, Kusick's um, was a forward in the same way that Cody Justice junior right. year was a forward. Exactly, yeah. He had to be, but he wasn't, he wasn't a big guy, you know. So, yeah, we have not had a team... I mean, if things come together, and that's an if, we don't know how it's all going to come together right now, health and production and all that. But this team should be probably the the biggest group as far as um, depth of size. You know, we we don't have a, I mean, yeah, we have the European kid and maybe he's, you know, but we don't have a a starting center like Jordan Bashinsky, who was, you know, seven foot two. But just the ability to go, you know, six, seven deep with guys who are six, seven or taller. That's not something we've had for, you know, the entire time since we've been here in school. Yeah, I mean, think about Lake as the biggest guy. Because I think right. that's the the actual big. If, if yeah. you're looking for, like, a shot-blocking presence. Uh, yeah. You know, White is a a more advanced Oleka. He's an inch taller, but but he's a rebounder. He can finish yeah. around the basket. He can box people out, which is really yeah. what we need. You know, but... But Lake's the one who has the chance, I think, to make yeah. a huge leap defensively. You know, we talked about yeah. during last season, game. if you put a, a combination on the floor that includes Martin and Lake as the mm-hmm. one and the five, you can cause a lot of problems. It's a difficult defensive lineup, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I mean, and that's, that's another area that I hope we could be better overall because not only of those guys, but that – that size and that versatility to mix and match and, and uh, you know, not be so reliant on, you know, one guy to be a defensive stopper. I mean, we don't know. We don't know what some of these guys are going to be as far as defense. Defense comes down a lot of times to effort. And some of these guys we have not seen at all, so it's hard to judge what kind of effort they're going to give. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping with the depth, with the size, that this will be a team that can – uh, score in a variety of ways, more variety than what we had last year. 
um, and defend better. You know, our defense was, was not great last year. Our hot start was was really the byproduct of scoring. I mean, what was, what was, you know, we had over 90 points in, you know, eight of the 12 games or something like that. We were scoring in bunches. Defensively, we were never a really good defensive team. We had some decent stretches, but we were never really a lockdown type of team. The guy who I think I might be most excited about to see what he can do um, based on the flashes we saw is Mitchell. Obviously, I think you and yeah. I both are on the, in the Kimani Lawrence camp of, well, let's yeah. see it. Like, There's clearly something here since he was supposed to yeah. start before he got hurt. But, right, but right. Losing the guards I think is actually going to benefit Mitchell in some ways because I, I predict that there will be – more moments where Mitchell is running the point. Um, I think that he is a creative passer, sometimes to his detriment because he would mm-hmm. he would throw the the over the top feeds to to guys right. uh, who are trying to create position between you know Mitchell would be say at the elbow and, yeah. and the re- pass recipient would be you know, boxing his guy out from the rim and Mitchell would try to dump it over the top. And a lot of times guys didn't even look for that. Right. Um, But now that you know what his game is and because we're going to be a little bigger, a little more rangy, I I don't know if we'll be more athletic. I I think so, but I don't know. I think so too. I expect so, I should say. But I feel like he could really thrive in this situation because if we're, you know, let's assume that on our normal lineup, we're going to have no one taller than 6'9", but also, you know, three guys taller than 6'6". Right. He's going to be able to throw that dump-off pass because at some point, someone is going to have a mismatch. There's no, Yeah, yeah, you know. true. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I shouldn't forget him, uh, you know, when we're talking about guys that you, you know, expect to take a leap forward. And, and you're right about Lake, too. I mean, that's, that's five guys who all played, uh, you know, again, a, a varying amount. Kamani Lawrence, probably the least of all because of his injury, you know. But, um, but you know, they all need to step forward. I mean, there is a, there's a leadership void with losing your three senior guards. And I told you at the end of last year, after watching, you know, the Pac-12 tournament game and then the, you know, the NCAA tournament game, that I felt like the team last year kind of became – you know, everybody sort of stood around and waited for Evans or Holder or Justice to save the day. Nobody else, you know, the tournament game really emphasized that to me. Nobody seemed to want to take the bull by the balls and make something happen. They just waited for them to do it. Now they're going to have to do it. There's no Trey Holder or Shannon Evans or Cody Justice to bail you out. And so I'm hoping, yeah, a guy like Mitchell definitely is one who will take a leap forward, will be a more, you know, assertive player. Um, and, and, you know, again, just get more comfortable. I mean, you know, he hadn't played competitively in a year and a half before he made his debut. So, you know, just that comfort level, same for white. I mean, white had a year off of playing. So there's, there's something to be gained from just playing consistently now. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, the one nice thing about college is next year's team, I think we went through has one senior with Cheatham. Right. Um, and Lake, right? Isn't Lake a senior? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, not many. Yeah. But you don't need a a veteran leader in college because the coach kind of can be that. Sure, sure. Um, which, 
with Bobby Hurley, you know, might mean he needs to keep his emotions in check a little better because yes, yes, there's not going to be a you know Shannon Evans to walk over and say, you know, calm down, it's okay. He, yeah, he needs to yeah. know that on his own. Yeah, yeah, I agree, um, and that will be important just for him in general. We talked about that a lot over the course of last season, and I think it's very true. He, you know, he needs to mature. Uh, as anybody does, he needs to learn from his experiences, get better at coaching and, and at, you know, comporting himself on the sideline. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, nobody's perfect. I don't expect him to be perfect next year. He's still going to get fiery and complain and that he's always going to be that. But, you know, does he have to rein it in some? Yeah, I think so. I, the technical needs to be better timed. It's going to yeah. happen. It just needs to be better timed. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I always – my fear with someone like him, because I've seen this happen with teams, is, you know, you start to build this notion of every time something's going wrong, it's the official's fault. I've seen that. I've seen that unfold with teams that I have worked with. I've seen it unfold with teams I've followed, and it's infuriating. The Clippers. Um, you know. <laughs> the what? The Clippers. The Docker yeah, Clippers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I truly – I mean, I really and truly believe that was part of the undoing of the of the Arizona Cardinals. That Bruce Arians complained so much, and 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 it just became like every time they lost, there was always somebody else to blame. And I think it started to become. And look, I'm not a Cardinals fan; you know that very well. But I think it started to become like you know everybody just started looking for someone else to blame. Um, you know, when you lost that opening game, it was this guy's fault, that guy's fault, but it certainly wasn't my fault. And and so that's um, that's what worries me, especially with a college team, maybe even more so than a pro team, any young college team, that you cannot build the attitude of, well, the officials are out to get us. And so then the first time something goes wrong, you get a bad call in a road game, you think, well, they're, they're out to screw us over. Uh, you know, I guess another loss coming because we can't overcome the – the guys and stripes, like no, you you have to be able to press forward a little bit. Yeah, I am optimistic that you know Hurley's still a young coach. He's you know this will be his fourth year here. I think his seventh year right. as a head coach overall. Yeah, I, he's got a lot of natural talent. Clearly, he's sure. a good recruiter. Um. He, he comes from a great lineage, his dad, his brother, yeah, uh, yeah. and who he played for, sure. but he can grow. And oh, yeah, if, if you he, should always grow, always. I mean, I, Mike Krzyzewski said every year, think about how I could do things better. If you're, I mean, you know, if you're not trying to get better, what are you doing? Yeah, good point. You know, so yeah, but, but to your point, absolutely, he is a young coach, and, and, and yeah, I mean, I told you that last year and I still think it like I would hope that every offseason he thinks okay what can I do better and that just doesn't come down to behavior that comes down to how you manage your rotations how you manage practices like every coach should do that because nobody's perfect I mean the instant you think you've got it all mastered you should hang it up because you don't and somebody's going to be outworking you and outdoing you yeah I, I'm excited for this season. They the other the other piece of news, I guess, is they are one uh, one more non conference yeah. game away from unveiling the schedule officially. Yeah, I'm even. anxious to see what it looks like. Yeah, we've seen a lot of uh, 
pieces of it. And I know, you know, Haller listed several games. I know we open, I guess, with Fullerton mm-hmm. at home. That's a tournament team from last year. A couple SEC road games, a couple neutral site games against what should be, you know, top 25 teams. We got Kansas, a lot of obviously. SEC games. We, you know. we do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, there will be some good tests and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what it looks like. And, you know, I guess, uh, for the Pac-12, they haven't announced exactly, you know, who and when, but we, we don't get UCLA and USC here, which is a shame because those are always fun games to, to see. Um, you know, but that means we only play them once, I guess, up in LA. I don't know the team that we miss on the road. I haven't heard. Um, but yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, this, this is a, it was a good year last year and no reason to, to not be excited. I, you know, I certainly will miss those senior guards. They were really good players. They, you know, 10 combined seasons playing for ASU and they did a lot, but you know, time marches on and I'm, I'm excited for what the rest of the, you know, that Hurley era brings. It should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Oregon State baseball has lost its defense. Have they? Just airs and that's misplays. A, and that's the same thing that happened to them in their opening game. Yeah, they've committed more airs in the last three games than they had in the previous 16 by double. Wow, jeez. That, was, er- the score that was earlier in the game. It's 4-3 to three North Carolina now in the bottom okay. of the sixth with a runner on third and nobody out for Carolina. Okay. Which, that's a nice little Easter egg for all of you listeners, because you can figure out exactly what time we started recording. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Because you know we're not editing this, so we just no. hit record and we started. Um, exactly. Yes. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. Any NBA draft thoughts? Any final thoughts? Before I don't know. I mean, I always look forward to it. It's, it's uh, you know, it's different than it used to be when I was a kid, and, and you know, you felt like the NBA draft brought immediate help. Now... Not so much. Um, you know, I expect eight to go number one. Uh, curious to see where Bagley goes, just because you know he's from here, and you know I saw him play in high school, so I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll root for him. And then, uh, uh, you know, just uh, yeah, kind of curious to see where guys, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. in the draft. That that makes me feel old because we talk about being a Spurs fan. The first Spurs championship team, the starting shooting guard was Jaron Jackson Sr. Now his kid is expected to probably go top five tomorrow night. So, uh, yeah, you know, just those those little uh, storylines that I'm interested in, I guess. The part that I have noticed, and I can't tell if it's a combination of access or better, smarter, you know, more thoughtfulness, more transparency yeah. by teams. I, I just don't know. But I, I, the one thing I've noticed is – you're learning a lot more about how players are trying to leverage their position. Um, more Away so from certain teams. Yeah. More so than yeah. I think, because when I was younger, I viewed it as more anomalous. Like when um, Eli Manning wasn't going to play for the Chargers, right. you know, right. and, and you could count like the examples, you know, right. Steve John Francis, LA. John Elway yeah. and yeah. Eli Manning. But now, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, all yeah, these guys yeah. are refusing to turn over their medicals. Even guys who don't have <laughs> medical problems aren't going to, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and it makes you wonder, you know, how much that's happened in the past that we just didn't know. Um, you know, where a guy might have geared himself away from a certain place or to a certain place. I, I was watching different sport, but I was watching a show on NFL Network 
before the NFL draft, they did some of these like look backs at old drafts, and it was one about the '95 draft, I think. Trent Dilfer, mm. um, and then the, that was the one where um, the guy, you know, Mel Kiper ripped the Colts, and the guys, you know, you know, whoever the GM was of the Colts before Bill Pulley, and the, you know, who the hell is Mel Kiper? And, and Dilfer was interviewed for the show, and basically, you know, that was the whole thing. He was criticizing him for not taking Trent Dilfer. And Dilfer said, well, you know, what, what people didn't know is I told Indianapolis I wasn't going to play for him. Uh, you know, my, my agent, you know, and I agreed we were not going to the Colts. We told the Colts not to draft, you know, and that was the story. I had never heard that. Um, and so you wonder how many other times that's happened, you know, that just kind of get, you know, not even noticed. Yeah. Why well, I heard a story um, that I didn't know that apparently – Steph Curry was didn't want to go to the Warriors. Was angling against it. Didn't want to turn really? over his medicals, and they really? just took him anyway. And, and yeah, I'd never heard that either. No, no. I mean, I've heard, of course, the you know the the tale of woe here is that the Warriors had agreed to trade them that pick to the Suns. Um, you know, but then when Curry was still available, they reneged on the deal at the last minute, took Curry, and of course now. As with everything in Phoenix Suns lore, it's a what-if tale. You know, they would have won multiple titles and had MVP and all those great things. But uh, I've not heard that aspect. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you wonder sometimes um, how much time that happens. But, yeah, there, there does seem to be a lot of it this year. You know, teams that don't want to go to Sacramento, or players, I should say, don't want to go to Sacramento, don't want to go to Memphis. Um, it's interesting, you know, and, and – kind of one of those things that shows you the empowerment that NBA players have and NBA prospects have that other sports just don't have. Basketball really empowers its players with the way the sport is set up, and it's only getting greater. Guys like LeBron and Kevin Durant have only made it more obvious, signing these short-term deals and going where they want. Like, you know, the the power is shifting even more into the hands of the player. But isn't that good? Is it, I mean, isn't oh, that okay part it. of what makes the yeah. sport feel almost more accessible? Is, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. It's just, it's an interesting difference, especially when you compare it to the NFL, where players have so little power, uh, you know, over their own careers because of the franchise tag and the lack of guaranteed contracts. Boy, the NBA, I mean, you know, LeBron and these guys kind of started this notion of why am I signing a five-year deal with a team and then letting that team dictate my career for four or five years? Why don't I just do these one plus ones, opt out every year, make more money, and then if I don't like the way the team's going, I can go somewhere else. And you wonder if that's what's coming to the NFL because people take that attitude but then get mad at NFL players like Gronkowski for holding out. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel like it's starting to turn a little bit with Gronkowski, though, where people are like, Hey, look, he's injured all the time. His career sure. shelf life is short. You know, go get paid. It, right. Well, I mean, um, you know, Earl Thomas in Seattle. You know, uh, you know, I know the reality. Oh, Earl Thomas is holding out. Like, I have a problem with it. I mean, because if the Seahawks don't want Earl Thomas anymore, they just cut him. And so if Earl Thomas is trying to make a little bit more money, I, I get it. Um, now, if he misses the regular season, I'll be surprised because usually that doesn't happen. But you're going to skip mini camp and summer training camp to try to get that team to give you some more money or some more security. I got no problem with it at all. Again, like we were talking about at the beginning, it's a business. Get, get as much as you can while you can. When you take fewer hits, you, you know, right. it's, it's on some level, 
the guy who started this really was Roger Clemens in baseball. Yes, where, yes. I'll, I'll, look, I'll show yeah. up and I'll be there. Schedule. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm not going to spring training. I'm not going to I'm uh, midseason. Yeah, and I'm not pitching on the road. Uh, yeah, yeah. I will yeah, pitch yeah. myself into shape at the big league level uh-huh. starting uh-huh. in June. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, so yeah, it's it's interesting, and and every sport's a little different. Certainly, the structure of the NFL is just it's different. I mean, the NFL is less star dependent than the NBA. The NBA needs its stars, and therefore the stars have more power. Um, the NFL just kind of keeps the wheels keep spinning you know Brad Favre retires Peyton Manning retires the the machine does not slow down we just you know moves on um NBA is different when Jordan retired got it, it you know it felt like it was a decade plus before we moved on and in some ways we still haven't mm-hmm. um you know things are things are just different in the sport but it it allows players to have more power and I find those those short-term deals I mean everyone's talking about where LeBron's going in the future like What's to prevent LeBron from probably doing exactly the same thing he's done before, which is sign a one-year deal with a one-year option, reevaluate next year. You don't, you know, you don't have to commit for five years. You, you know, you see, you see where you're at in, in twelve months, and you know, take it from there. Yeah, it, it it makes sense. Like just just wait and yeah, see. I mean, and, you know, go to LA and maybe pressure. you hate it. You know exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, and and it and it puts pressure on your front office. It kept a tremendous pressure on Dan Gilbert and the Cavs that LeBron could leave anytime he wanted, any year he wanted, he could be gone. And and that's why. And maybe they made some mistakes because of it, signing guys like Tristan Thompson and J.R. Smith to big money. Uh, you know, and it's going to come back to haunt him now. But that's not LeBron's problem. <laughs> you know, I mean, you may not like it, but. You know, his his goal was to keep that team as competitive as possible to make the championship and win the you know have a chance to win a title, and they did that. Yeah. So what? Yeah, it's one of those things. So what? Yeah, like what else do you want from this guy? Yeah, He's, I mean they're gonna they're gonna suffer now, especially if he goes. But they, but he did so contracts. much, and they you know that's the other sure. thing is like yeah they signed bad contracts. They made an awful lot of money by going to the, they did. you know, the finals, every finals year. <laughs> and winning a title. And yeah, I mean, would you, would you take it? I, I mean, God, if you're a, if you're a Cleveland sports fan, a Cavaliers fan, you, I mean, you'd be crazy not to say yes. Right. I mean, and, you're you know, you so won. spoiled if you wouldn't do it. Like, right. <laughs> right. I mean, this is a franchise that prior to, you know, prior to LeBron had never been to the finals prior to LeBron's return in 2014 had been one time and got swept out with LeBron. Uh, and and the last four years they've made the finals all four years and won a title. That's pretty darn good. Like keep it keep things in perspective a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, will you will you pay the penance of being in salary cap jail for a couple of years and probably having some rebuilding? I sure would. I mean, you know, it's that old uh, you know hypothetical we give ourselves about you know would you would you take an ASU team that got to the final four and then you were put on probation three years later. Uh huh. Yeah, I sure would. Hundred percent. You know, I would. I would eat that struggle afterward for the enjoyment of of the great run for two or three years. And and you know, that's kind of the pro sports version. You don't get put on probation. You just have to. You just have to pay the penance of you know making some bad salary decisions in order to keep yourself competitive. Yeah, you'll you'll reap what you've sown. And the idea yeah. is, did you get far enough? I mean. Eventually, that's going to happen to the Warriors. There are too many guys, yeah. too many all stars. 
at some sure. point, one or two are going to want to get paid, and the lid will blow off. Yeah, yeah. and it's already, you can already feel it in the water. I mean, Draymond Green said he's not signing an extension, has no you know desire to take a discount when he's up in a couple years. And Clay Thompson has kind of hinted at the same thing, and yeah, I mean, it, it's going to happen. You know, again, like I said about the Spurs, you don't stay on top forever. Um, you know, if you get a if you get an extended run of championships. You savor it for what it is, and and then if you have to, you know, pay the piper later, you do it. We'll be paying the piper all summer until next That's time. Right. He's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben Matt Sportscast.